0: Good morning. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is our epistle lesson from Colossians chapter 1, especially verses 15 and following, which begin by saying of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This is God's word for us today. Please be seated. So in 1982, a film came out that was truly out of this world. It had everything you could ever want in a movie. Glowing fingers, flying bicycles, and an extraterrestrial. E.T. for short, wowed audiences and broke box office records. It was the story of an alien who, who met a couple young children along the way on while well, he was trying to get home. Well, since today is Mother's Day, I've specifically been asked uh, to share a little reminder from E.T. with those of you whose mothers um, are living kind of far away. Are you ready? E.T. Phone home. So, in other words, call your mom. (laughs) Okay, Okay. so on this Mother's Day, uh, we will actually be talking about an extraterrestrial But not about an alien from outer space. The word extraterrestrial actually comes from two Latin words. Extra meaning outside of or beyond. And terra meaning earth. So this past Thursday we celebrated the ascension of Jesus. As he went quite literally beyond, outside of the earth as he ascended into heaven. Today, as we take a look at Colossians 1 together, we will see just how far outside of, or maybe even better, beyond the earth Jesus truly is, how he is, in a very real sense, extraterrestrial. So, I'd invite you to grab a Bible in front of you, or open up your your Bible app, and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, as we take a look at Paul's words and, and God's word for us today. The book of Colossians um, as a whole is really all about the identity of Jesus, who he is, and then the ramifications of his identity uh, for our identity and for our lives. So today we're going to focus in, especially starting at verse 15, um, and that actually begins a section that goes to verse 20 that scholars have often called the Christ hymn. Now, there's a lot of debate about whether Paul actually wrote this so-called hymn or whether it was already a hymn in use by the church that he just sort of copied and pasted and included in his own letter. But either way, uh, the Christ hymn has two main movements. It, it really has, has two main things to say about who Jesus is. And the first is that Jesus is the creator, Jesus is both of one substance with the God of the universe who made all things and he is the very one through whom all things were made. The way that Paul introduces this whole idea is by saying that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, when we hear the English word image, a few ideas might pop into our head. One of those might be that it's a, a picture of something or a kind of a copy of something that's, that's not quite perfect. But that's not at all the connotation of the Greek word icon that, that Paul uses here. This word really indicates that, that Jesus is a perfect exemplification of God himself, As Church Father Gregory of Nazianzus has said, here we have a living image of a living being indistinguishable from its original. The way that the book of Hebrews puts it in chapter 1 is that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Or as another translation says, he is the exact representation of his being. The Council of Nicaea in in the year 325 uh, saw the church come together and, and to put this truth into words, words that we still use today to confess our faith. We know it as the Nicene Creed. And we confess there that Jesus is God of God, light of light, very God of very God. We say that he is of one substance with the Father. Now, there are hints in other places about the nature of God and who he is, like in his creation or or in our consciences, as God has written his law on our hearts. But it is only Jesus who truly and completely shows us the invisible God. In Jesus, we clearly see God's nature and his character, his compassion and his power. It is in Jesus that we can see what stirs up God's anger and where he deigns to to show mercy and grace. In Jesus, we see the unseeable God, the God of all creation. And then speaking of creation, uh, Paul continues by saying that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Uh, Now, if you are firstborn in your family, would you raise your hand proudly with me? Yes, very good. So, go ahead and keep your hands up for just a second. Let's, let's savor this moment. Now, we firstborns are really, if we're honest, the reason that there is such a thing as Mother's Day. If you think about it. So, moms, you're welcome. We've, we made you moms in the first place. Now, we, we firstborns are kind of full of ourselves sometimes, aren't we? Well, here... The word firstborn is not referring to birth order or birth position. It's referring to birthright. Now, here's what that means. When Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, he is categorically not saying that Jesus was created. As we also confess in the Nicene Creed, and as Paul makes clear in the next two verses, Jesus was begotten of his Father before all worlds. He was begotten and not made. Instead, Paul is saying that Christ has a position of power, of of status, of privilege, of majesty that is far above that of creation. Paul is saying in essence that Jesus is truly extraterrestrial. That he is not a part of the created order, but that he is outside of it. That he is in fact the cause of it. That Jesus is the one who made the creation come into being. So Paul says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. It's also echoed in the Nicene Creed. All things were created through him and for him. These words of Paul are echoed in the first chapter of John's gospel where that says of Jesus, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, if something exists, Jesus made it. (laughs) From killer whales, to the cells in your body, to the smallest microorganisms, to the most gigantic heavenly bodies, to the the angels themselves, Jesus made it all. Now, throughout history, there have been many ways that the church has sought to celebrate this fact, that that Jesus is the creator of all things. And one of those ways is through iconography, these kind of artistic depictions of Christ. And, and the most well-known of these, the most common of these, is called the Pantocrator. I've put one example of it up on the screen for you. Um, these can, can vary a little bit, but in general, um, you have Jesus kind of raising his right hand in blessing and holding a book in his left hand, which, at least in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, uh, signifies the Gospels. Now, Pantokrator is a Greek title that means almighty. Maybe even more literally translated, it means ruler over all. And this image is meant to convey the reality of Christ's power, of his authority over all creation, and of his gracious rule. And that's really what Paul's trying to get at in Colossians 1. And he goes on in verse 17 then to say that Christ is before all things, and in him all things are hold together. So Jesus is not only the cause of creation, he's the reason that it is still there. (laughs) He's the reason that the earth is still spinning, that the ocean tides still come in and out every day, that your heart is still beating and, and your lungs are still breathing. Now, if you'd indulge me for a minute, if you have those Bibles out, I'd like to invite you to, to join me in a quick word search. Looking at verses 15 through 20. Now, look and count. How many times does the word all appear? A-L-L. Go ahead and take a moment, and then when you're there, go ahead and shout it out. How many times? Anybody want to venture a guess? Seven. Very good. So at least in the ESV, seven times in six verses, the word all is used. All, 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 all. Say it with me. All. All. Christ is supreme over all. He is powerful beyond all our imagining. The book of Hebrews says that in putting everything in subjection to Christ, God left nothing outside of his control. We got to sing that that great hymn, This is the Feast, earlier, taking words from from Revelation 5, which is really kind of the the view of the ascension from heaven's side of things. Daniel 7 says that, that the Son of Man has been given a kingdom and a dominion and glory that will never be destroyed. Jesus said right before he ascended into heaven to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And now Jesus has ascended into heaven. And that doesn't mean that that he's up in in the clouds somewhere just a little bit beyond the Milky Way. It means that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That he is exercising a a position of ultimate and cosmic power and authority and prestige over all things. That is why the ascension of Jesus is so critical for our faith. Jesus is is at God's right hand interceding for us and upholding us and all creation. And here's the wonder of it all. (laughs) All. This cosmic Christ, this one who holds the galaxies in his hands, the one who made the universe and holds it all together, this extraterrestrial, out of this world, beyond the earth Christ, is the one who had decided to come down to the earth to come down to us he is the one who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven he is the one who who created the world and then came to the world to restore it after it had fallen into darkness jesus made it all and then jesus paid it all and that's why all of this cosmic world shaking stuff about him really matters to us Many of you have probably seen the the new Avengers movie that just came out. Well, the, the power and the might of Jesus matters to us for the same reason that the powers that superheroes have matter to those who are saved by them. Jesus took all of his power and might and majesty and invested it into saving us. And So Jesus is the creator and Jesus is the Redeemer, and that's kind of Paul's second move here. Paul says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's been talking about how Jesus is before all things, has power over all things in the universe, and yet it's important enough for Paul to single out the church, the communion of saints washed by the waters of baptism and fed and sustained by the body and blood of Jesus in holy communion. Jesus is the head of the church. And then, as our Redeemer, Jesus is also the firstborn from the dead. The resurrection of the body is absolutely central to the redemption that Jesus has accomplished for us. Jesus is the first to rise from the dead. That means that we also will rise from the dead. Today's the the last Sunday in the season of Easter, another perfect day to be reminded of the the fullness of Christ's victory over death, that death will be reversed, that we will live again. And that will happen on on the the consummation of the kingdom of Christ, on the day of the resurrection of all flesh. And that resurrection, that redemption, has been made possible because right before he rose from the dead, Jesus made peace by the blood of Of his cross. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. And that's talking about you and, and me. But any peace that we make is really just a reflection of the grand, cosmic, all encompassing peace that Jesus won on the cross. This big, enormous peace that has also made its way into our own hearts. Just a few weeks ago, as a nation, we mourned the loss of Barbara Bush, a woman uh, considered by many to be America's first grandmother. We've been talking a lot about the power of Jesus, and and even though the power that the Bush family held over the last couple decades is of a different kind and of a much smaller nature, They exercised quite a bit of power nevertheless, yet by all accounts, Barbara Bush was always very kind and and tender-hearted and loving to everybody, and especially her family. So at her funeral, uh, this picture was taken, which has the Bush family along with uh, Melania Trump, the Obamas, and the Clintons. And this picture has kind of made the rounds and, and made a pretty big impact because Barbara Bush's death seems to have helped unite a very fractured country, albeit for a very short while. Regardless of political persuasion, it seems that there's a respect for her, for the person she she was, for the kind of mother that she was. And on this Mother's Day, you know, we celebrate that, and we celebrate all of you mothers uh, who show tenderness and and caring and and love to your children and and foster peace and harmony in your families, a peace and harmony that that extends beyond just our families. Well, if Barbara Bush's death can usher in peace, however small and and short-lived it may have been, how much more has Christ's death ushered in peace for all and for all eternity? Christ, the Creator and the Redeemer, has made peace by the blood of his cross. That's who he is. That is what he has done. So who are we? And that's really what Paul gets into in the, the closing section of, of this part of his letter, and that's what we'll what we'll look at in the closing section of this message today, too. Now, three things that the Bible says we are. First, straight from Colossians 1, we are reconciled. We are holy and blameless. And above reproach. Now, we weren't always this way. We were once alienated, Paul says, talk about extraterrestrial. We were hostile in mind. We were doing evil deeds. But we have been reconciled in the body of Christ's flesh by his death. And we are now counted as spotless and perfect through Christ. Now, the verb in this sentence, uh, significantly, is in the past tense. You are reconciled he has reconciled you it's a completed action it's not something that Jesus started that's a a process that we have to do something to complete or finish Jesus has done it you have been reconciled you are reconciled we are reconciled with one another and having been reconciled we are also recipients of Christ's power that cosmic, out-of-this-world power that we've been talking about. Now, we don't always feel this way. In fact, maybe much of the time we feel pretty powerless, beaten down and and weakened by our sin, by our failures or our perceived failures as mothers or or fathers, sons or daughters, students or employees, by the, the tantrums that are toddlers throw in public I just say that theoretically I have never experienced that myself of course <laughs> on this Mother's Day we may also feel beaten down by by the pain of, of miscarriage or infertility on, on a day when everybody else is smiling and and laughing about motherhood when you feel that way go go back to the first point remember that you are reconciled that you are seen through Christ by God as holy and perfect, and blameless, and then hear Jesus's words of promise that he spoke to his disciples. In fact, these are his very last words that we have recorded, and the last promise that he made before he ascended into heaven. You will receive what? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, in the first place, this was a promise to the disciples about the day of Pentecost, which was coming right up. And it's something that we'll celebrate in our services next week. But it's also a promise for you and for me. A promise that's already been fulfilled and a promise that's fulfilled every day. Because when you were baptized, when the Holy Spirit came upon you in those waters, you were given power. The power of the Creator and the Redeemer of the universe. Each and every day, you are a temple of the living God, saturated with a power beyond your wildest imagination. And so every challenge that you face, you face with the spirit of the God of the universe living inside of you. And I would say that that makes us out of this world. Like Jesus himself, we are extraterrestrials. We are, as Jesus himself said, not of the world. Just as he is not of the world. And why not? Well, Paul tells us in in Colossians a little bit before what we've been looking at today. He says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. So we are not of the world, but like Jesus, we are in the world to accomplish God's purposes because God's purposes in Christ have already been accomplished in us. So, in all that we do, may the power of Jesus Christ, the creator and the redeemer of the world, be evident in and through us as we live as extraterrestrials. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, purchased and won by the blood of Jesus on the cross, guard your hearts and your minds in and through that same Christ Jesus, now and forever. Amen.